0: James had his first big win with Tango Zebra, sold it for about $30 million to Google or DoubleClick. That was his first big financial win. He then takes that into his new company, Scuda, which was obviously a different name back when he launched in 2008, put in several hundred thousand bucks of his own money, brought in his co-founder, Tori. They've now scaled over 30 folks, again, in UK, really leading in the programmatic technology space, especially for online advertising in a branded format. Two different lines of business, managed service and self-serve, broke a million in 2012, did a little less than 5 million last year, big goals for this year, considering expansion into the US with about uh, 12 million pounds raised. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you wanna get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing though, this database, Hello, everybody. My guest today is James Booth. He is the founder of Scuda, founded it back in 2008. Prior to that, he was co-founder and CEO of another company that really led Europe's rich media providing infrastructure. He sold that to DoubleClick and Google back in 2007. He's won numerous awards for a service to online advertising. He's an active angel investor and is a non-executive to a number of startups. James, are you ready to take us to the top?
1: Yeah, hi there, I'm good, yeah, thank you.
0: Good, that first company, was that called Tango Zebra?
1: It was Tango Zebra, absolutely. Talk about a fun name. Yeah, do you know what? That was an accident. We were trying to find a name, and even back then in uh, in 2000 when we rebranded, in fact, 1999 when we rebranded, it was still quite difficult to find a .com, even though it was early days. And uh, Tango Zebra happened to be a character in a James Bond movie, and <laughs> we stumbled on it, and we liked the name. And, you know, it was, we, found the, we found the .com, and so we, we ran with it.
0: Sounds like, you know, you go to HostGator, and it says you plug in some names, and they'll spit out domain names available, and it's like, oh, Tango Zebra, we'll go with it.
1: That's <laughs> you know, at it and it stuck and we were moving from uh, a sort of a horizontal platform technology business into rich media we'd been playing around with multimedia advertising in the late 90s and uh, and it was really rich media was the thing that we wanted to uh, to sort of launch and uh, tango zebra felt like a good name for advertising
0: now that company did you bootstrap it or did you raise capital
1: so we bootstrapped at early days, and then at the point that uh, we knew we had a technology play that we wanted to advance, we then raised capital. And it started with uh, seed funding, um, some loan stuff, and then we took a, a Series A in late 99.
0: Got, okay, g- good or bad timing, depending on how you look at it.
1: Yeah, it was tricky timing. Um, I remember very clearly uh, in the late 90s no one was funding and then suddenly everybody was funding. Um, and the challenge for us was to uh, to articulate what we were doing because we really didn't know what we were doing. We had this horizontal platform. We were trying to apply it to anything that moved. It was multimedia across a narrow bandwidth. You know, how do you make multimedia work when there isn't any bandwidth? And um you know, we'd we'd managed to file for a patent that, that made us seem a little bit sexy back then, but uh, at the point that we were, we knew we had that vertical, and we were able to 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 really articulate that we were going to make a difference to online advertising. Then suddenly, it became easier to raise.
0: How much total did you raise before you sold?
1: We raised uh, uh one point uh, in total, one point six million. Okay. Um, okay and then we went into we part of the business was picked up by a, a media group so we sat with inside the media group for about five years six years and, and then we sold it early early 2000 we sold and Two, what 2007
0: what did and what was the ex- exit price what double yeah. or google pay
1: it was thirty million US.
0: One three or three zero? Three zero. Three zero. Okay, so true or false? That was really the big, the first big financial event in your life, where you you kind of had enough money to live on, and now you could go take a next your next big risk.
1: Absolutely right. That was for me. It was the first real um, event that I'd experienced in my life. Right yeah. Now.
0: Okay. So you decide after that, do you go directly into SCUDA or do you do something in between?
1: so i had a 6 month uh, sabbatical i had written a business plan it was a, it was a pretty poor business plan it was back with a cigarette packet type thing i put it in a drawer <laughs> um, and i really wasn't looking to do anything quickly i'd been working with a couple of businesses as a and as a as an advisor as helping one of them raise some money and i'd started to do a little bit of angel funding um, and then the opportunity came along and i thought you know what i'm going to get that business plan out we were called Rockerbox back then we rebranded to scooter 2000. 2015, and and for me, it was. I'd started to see in the market that um, there was there was a shifting dynamic. The online publishers were losing audiences to Facebook and other social media. Brands were trying to work out how to communicate to social, within social media, social channels, and I felt that the market needed to move to a phase where content would become an interesting um, device for marketing, and that's what my business plan had been about. And it felt. By the end of 2007, it felt like it was the right time to start to, to, to talk about content. And so I created Rockerbox. I launched Rockerbox, I brought in a co-founder um, who had a background in television. We then, this is Tori. Work- story yes, yeah so her world was telly we we, we launched rockerbox and then we spent about a year just deliberately going slow looking at where the opportunities were in markets and very quickly evolved uh, an approach to technology that we felt was relevant and interesting to that market and then we started i'd funded the first couple of years and then we how much just, of
0: your own money did you put in
1: oh it's different. i mean in real terms a few hundred thousand but But actually in, you know, loss of income because I didn't pay myself anything for a long time and, you know, uh, and all the other stuff it's substantially more than that. Yeah. And how much have
0: you raised to date?
1: Today, we've raised about 12 million pounds.
0: Okay. And so tell us what the business does. Like, how do you make money? If you can, give us a customer example.
1: Yeah, so very much. So we're a technology company. We specialize in programmatic technology that, that is really around the the, the branding, the specifics around branding. How do you make branding work in an exciting way through programmatic trading? And our clients are typically the agency groups. Uh, 90% of what we do is what we refer to as self-serve. So our technology is activated by third parties themselves. Uh, and for that, we charge... A, a low, a low uh, cost per thousand fee, which is what. Uh, it, it typically varies the, the, the benchmark is about pound fifty cost per thousand um, and, and within that there's the technology there's support for creative there's the analytics piece you know there's a bunch of stuff within that fee and then 10% of our activity is what we refer to as managed service where we're activating the uh, the campaigns for and behalf of the clients and for that we take a percentage of media which is typically around the 20 25 and, and that covers license, distribution, time and material to activate the campaign and optimize campaign, analytics, creative that whole
0: piece and those are the two pieces so 90 percent self-surge a low cpm fee of about 1.5 pounds and then you have 10% managed services where you take 20 to 25% of total media spend
1: correct and with the self-serve it's very high margin because you know we're not concerned with media the media is all dealt with by uh, by the clients so that's an 80 85% gross margin
0: that's great well, that's really great and do you see i imagine you see lower gross margin on the managed service because you have people correct. there
1: yeah. All sorts of different considerations.
0: Yep. Now, what is the, uh, in terms of revenue representation, I imagine it's not 90-10. I imagine you probably have a, d- a difference there. Yeah, what's the revenue split between those two avenues?
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Because if you're trading managed service, you're including media in that revenue, uh, whereas self-service, net of media. So I would say self-service typically is about two-thirds.
0: Makes, two, makes up two-thirds of your revenue interesting um okay now so so i think i have a good understanding of the story where are you guys now in terms of location what's the team size and where are you based
1: so we're in london we're about 30 people in london we're going through the process of um considering a move to new york or, or looking to open in new york we're, we're just running through some tests at the moment to um, to make sure that there's enough demand there, but we believe there is. Uh, we're in London, but we we deliver campaigns all over the world. So we we deliver to about 50 countries at the moment, and we have global campaign activity happening all the time. But we've managed to be we've managed to do that really from having scalable tech. I mean, our focus has been very much on building a buy-side platform that is genuinely scalable, uh, so we can deliver global campaigns without having to go through a manual test process.
0: And what's the weirdest? So you're obviously creative guy being in the in the ad tech space james what's the weirdest thing you've done to acquire customers
1: ah, <laughs> there's a thing tell um, me the one
0: that made you laugh the one you're most embarrassed about
1: yeah i don't know i think nowadays um because i've certainly you know i've been in the industry for 20 years and um and i you know after that period of time you get to know the, the client base pretty well uh, but in the early stages um you know, we were in the early stages. We were we were working out of Gloucestershire, which is you know in the west of the country. I was getting a train once a week, and I would make up all sorts of things to try and get to try and get. A <laughs> Give me an example. Well, we had a, a situation in I think it's probably late '99 or early 2000 where we were trying to raise some profile and we couldn't raise any profile, and and I ended up having a conversation with somebody who was a journalist. Um, and I let slip a load of stuff that was we were making mock-ups it was early early days and we were putting mock-ups together to to then take into clients and I may or may not have let him believe that some of those mock-ups were, were real and uh, <laughs> he then... He then did a a comprehensive piece in the trade press about how we were working with these clients, (laughs) which we then backtracked on massively and and got a withdrawal. But it gave us the the exposure we needed, and and after that – piece of activity the phones started ringing and and we were off
0: that activity though also brings so much efficiency to your cross structure right your biggest expense is people in terms of development hours and if you can slip mock-ups where you've only invested design and thought time to then see if it validates in the press that tells you if you should actually spend the money to build it or not genius
1: Right, absolutely right and it works and it was extraordinary to see when we were then in press talking about what we referred to as rich media back in those days, um, and actually found that agencies were calling us, and publishers were calling us, brands were calling us, because suddenly there was a story there around how do you make online advertising, display advertising, interactive? How do you try branding? How do you, you know, how do you make online advertising much more interesting? And there was, in fact, my stupid face in this in this article having you know showed this guy some really really back in those days i mean this is when bandwidth didn't exist and being able to show him some time-based sequential multimedia experiences that that uh, hadn't been seen elsewhere in market and and that was that was exciting i mean there's the whole thing there's no such thing as bad press
0: not at all not never so where are you at today in terms of total customers using you whether it's the self-serve or the managed service side uh
1: Well, we work right across the industry. So we work on and off with with all of the usual suspects from a media agency side. I mean, we have some very close arrangements, you know, um, partnerships partnerships with some. We work uh, with the independent trade desks. We work with the big agency groups. Are we
0: talking about tens or hundreds or thousands
1: of total customers? Well, if you're talking about brands... Whose campaigns are delivered by our technology, then it's hundreds. um, Hundreds and hundreds. Um, But if you're talking about actual paying customers, it's much less than that. Because it's the agencies. Because it's the agencies. What's that number? Oh, it's probably in the 20 or 30, you know, maybe, maybe 40, but it's a, you know, it's a much, much smaller number because each of those agency clients have a, you know, they have a a five, six brands. Yeah, exactly.
0: Fascinating. And what was your first, have you guys broken the million dollar kind of revenue in one year mark yet?
1: Oh yeah, very much so. What was
0: that year? Do you remember?
1: Uh, well, Tiger Zebra, it was, um, that would have been probably 2001, um, I think for Scooter, it was 2012, maybe 13, 2013, I think.
0: And if you fast forward to December 2017, the holiday party, you're all cheersling and toasting and drinking because you hit what revenue number? What's your big goal, a stretch goal for this so, um, year?
1: I think it depends where you... Where you where you count revenue because last year uh we we hit that 10 million pound spend on the platform which was good That's, that
0: was that, on your self-serve side
1: no that was on the managed service side got it so you know and then but because we've shifted dramatically to um self-serve our goal for self-serve is five million um whether or not we get there this year we don't know but um what did you do you on know, that one last year we did three and a half million.
0: Okay, I mean so aggressive but not not unreasonable.
1: Yeah, it's aggressive, and it's you know it's like. I mean, the first half of this year has been quieter than it might have been because you know the market has experienced a little bit of a downturn off the back of you know some of the concerns around brand safety that uh, some of the brands have, have shared in market, and that's caused some issues for agencies. But you know we see that as a real opportunity for us. We? The solution we have now is is 100% transparent. It's um, you know it's got all the brand safety elements built into it, and and so we're we're actually. Really excited off the back of that phase in market. Um, whether or not we get to where we want to revenue-wise, that's you know we'll we'll see. But we 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 should actually we you know we're forecasting profitability for this quarter, which uh, for us is a, a good mark.
0: That's really great. So just to be clear, in 2016, again, two sides of the business: self serve and managed uh, service. On the managed service side, uh, you put about 10 million bucks through your platform. You kept a 20 to 25 percent cut, so call it 2 million on that side, and then on the self service side we did about 3.5 million i mean is that about accurate so 5.5 million total so, last year
1: nearly not quite so the way it works was we had about 10 million pounds put through the platform total media spend some of that was managed service and some of it was self-serve oh so, i see yeah
0: so you're a little you call it a little under five yeah got it Guys, big news, last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, All right, let's wrap up here, uh, James, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: Favorite book? Now, I'm going to have to put a confession here. I'm not very good at reading business books, but I read Crossing the Chasm years ago, and, and uh, you know, that was that's one that everybody reads.
0: Jeffrey Morris, good guy, super smart. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? Is there a, sorry? a CEO or a leader you're following or studying? Uh,
1: yeah, well, there, there, are, there are several. Um... I mean I tend to follow the, the guys in our space. Um, so you know, I mean I always interested to see what Brian Kelly's doing. I'm interested to see what the guys from Media Math and and you know, Trade Desk, those guys are doing. I mean I, I tend to follow the, the the CEOs in our in our vertical. Number three. Actually, equally there's a there's a good friend of mine who's CEO uh, of Dentsu Aegis North America, I always like to see what Rob's doing, and some of the agency guys are friends of mine, so I like to see what they're doing as well.
0: That's all good. Next question, number three, what's your favorite online tool?
1: Favorite online tool at the moment, um, that has to be, it's going to sound ridiculous, uh, that has to be my email. Um, I (laughs) I live by my email. I can't do without my email, uh, so it would be my email.
0: Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: Well, we have a newborn. Uh, Well, she's not newborn anymore, she's six months old. Uh, So I think if I get five hours, then that's a reasonable night.
0: Wow, okay, is that your only kiddo or you have more?
1: So we have a a 14 and an 11-year-old.
0: Okay, so married and three kids with a six-month-old. With a six-month-old. Okay, and how old are you, James? I'm
1: 52.
0: All right, last question. Take us back uh, 32 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: it would be absolutely amazing to know what we know about the, the the whole world of the internet which didn't exist back then but if i knew that was coming then uh, if i knew what i know today 20 years ago about the internet then that would be very interesting.
0: There you guys have it from James. Had his first big win with Tango Zebra. Sold it for about $30 million to Google or DoubleClick. That was his first big financial win. He then takes that into his new company, Scuda, which was obviously a different name back when he launched it in 2008. Put in several hundred thousand bucks of his own money. Brought in his co-founder Tori. They've now scaled over 30 folks, again, in UK. Really leading in the programmatic technology space, especially for online advertising in a branded format. Two different lines of business, managed service, and self-serve brand. Broke a million in 2012, did a little less than 5 million last year. Big goals for this year, considering expansion into the U.S. with about uh, 12 million pounds raised. James, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: Thank you.